hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. The Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, it's called like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right right back. He's not that Griffin. He's just fought. Stu Griffin. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Griffin. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Dexter. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. Bashir staggered by a big left hand. All right, folks, we got to start off with, you know, we got to reach up to touch bottom here, as Darren says. So we, that's what, exactly what we're doing. We are reaching up to touch bottom. We are starting off with Darren over at the fourth line voice. So it can only get better from here, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's we're, we're yeah, start low and then, yeah, you could do the slow build throughout the episode. Oh well, yeah, that's the way it goes. It's you know I'm gonna have you on, and then I'm gonna have Jay, and then after that we gotta end, we gotta end on the high note with McFarland here. So, uh, oh yeah, you know, end on yeah, I gotta I gotta make the people suffer a little bit. You know, it can't just be that easy just to get good content, right? Oh uh, yeah, you're in one. <laughs> yeah, yep. we are in one now, folks. But um, you know, this is probably like your fucking like your fourth or fifth time on the show. So probably the most recurring guest, the people's champ over here, Darren at the fourth line voice. Uh, but we are here to talk about Kerry Toporowski, who is the man of the hour for this podcast. Uh, of course, Darren is here to kind of do a little bit of the junior junior hockey talk when he was out there in the dub with Spokane. Um, now, we were kind of going over beforehand how much he actually saw of Topper. I don't think he actually saw any of him, as we recalled. But, of course, the with the rep he had and the amount of pims, you know, did you, when was the first time you actually ever really heard Toporowski? Well... Yeah, that that's actually a really good question. Um, well, it was in the it, it was more so in the in the second year <clears throat> when he was putting up the big penalty minutes um, because I knew a, I knew a couple guys that he had played AAA midget with the Saskatoon Blazers, and he was he had a rep then because back then in AAA you could fight back in AAA midget, and uh, and he had a and he had like two hundred and some penalty minutes back then, so he kind of had a rep. And then, uh, you know, he had 300 and so, was it 364 or something in his first year? Just a, just a, uh, what was it? 384 and 30 and a paltry <laughs> 38 fights. You know, he's just getting warmed up. Yeah. And then it was the second year when he was going on the tear. Um, yeah, that's when it kind of, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> the, uh, the rumors of the, the crazy guy out West was, uh, with all his penalty minutes. Oh yeah, well, like you said, just just getting warmed up with a casual three eighty, not a big deal. Um, yeah, so well, 
you know, he's out there in Spokane, and you obviously at the time you were in Saskatoon. And from what I understand, and you know, this whole mighty folks, this is way back, step in the time machine here. This is uh, prior to hockeyfights.com, drop your gloves, anything like that, because this was circa what, 92, 93, right? Who, Topper? Yeah. Oh, it was 89, 90, and then 90, 91. So, that's yeah. right. Yeah, fuck. I'm, that, I'm thinking that's that. how old it was. I was just going into high school. That's how old that was. Well, it shows how much yeah. research I've done. Yeah, fuck. I'm thinking of his IHL days now. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, um, pro back then. Yeah, at that time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, this is. I mean, way before then. So I mean, this this rep he had to have had was like something crazy coming out of junior. Um, but you you only really yeah. Well, again, you never really saw him, so it sucks. But you knew about him from. When he uh, played the Blades, and he said it was at the beginning of the season, I believe, correct? Yeah, in the in the first year, I, I pretty much I could guarantee I was probably at that game. Because we used to go to all the games back then because I was friends with the owner's kid. I grew up with him. So we used to get tickets, like basically had season tickets. Um, so, um, yeah, and he fought Grant Chorney. And I'm pretty sure I would have been there. Now, obviously, you know, we're going back, uh, what, 23 years uh so <laughs> that um, makes me feel old holy shit <laughs> 33 years yeah yeah i wasn't so, even born then what's that i said i wasn't even born then i was born in 96 uh yeah that's yeah thank you for that yeah. <laughs> you're welcome wait, wait did you make a pit stop in quad city in 1996 you could be my dad yeah there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> no so like yeah so 30 some years ago, so I, I'm not fresh up on how the fight went, but um, well, before we got going, and I mean, I we've lamented on this before. Like, it's funny for all the penalty minutes and all the like the 90 fights that he had in the Western Hockey League. In terms of footage, there's like five. Oh, it's brutal. And, yeah, and it's just like, you know what? And now that I'm saying it, and especially like I said, there was no <laughs> internet or no like the, it wasn't like they were playing western hockey league games on tv every once in a while tsn would do well not every once in a while, they would do like a junior game of the week and right. then each week they would do the different league the whl then the next week would be the o again and then the rea q game then they'd go back but spokane was so good that second year that they were on tv a couple times because of course they had Falloon, who was supposed to be a real high pit well he ended up being a high well, i think yeah. he went first or second one I of the two he, i, I think but, he did yeah, him and Niedermeyer there. Um, yeah, so they went really high. So Spokane was, you know, I think they must have been on TV a couple times. But other than that, you know what? I pretty much learned about Toporowski basically after he was gone. Or basically when the Memorial Cup was on. And they had the fucking <laughs> lion brawl and he beat the shit out of that guy. That was like, and they're like, oh, Kerry Toporowski with 505 minutes and now he's in the brawl. And he's like, and you're like, what? Who? 505? Like, because that was the thing, like, even back then, it sounds so archaic, but some people won't believe it, but there was no stats. No. Like, like no one, like, the only time you that, in Saskatoon anyway, that we ever saw the, the WHL stat, like, we'd, we'd know the Saskatoon Blade stats, because they'd be in the paper, but the only time you'd ever learn about the WHL stats is at the end of the year, when the season was done, they put the final stats of everyone in the paper. That was it. Uh, leading up until then, you'd get the box score, so you'd see it, Toporowski major, Toporowski minor, Toporowski major, whatever. But it was just like, 
yeah, you didn't know the penalty minutes, like not in the Saskatoon paper anyway, except for just out east here. So yeah, he was really like, yeah, he was like the boogeyman, right? Like you you hear the stories about him, but it was, yeah, you never saw, you never laid eyes on him. You didn't know what he looked like you, until that Memorial Cup. And then it was like, oh, this guy. And then all of a sudden now he's elbow smashing people and stealing chains and thumbing the guy in the eye when they're on the ice. And you're like, holy shit, I want to see more of this guy. But then at that point, then he's gone. Then he turns pro. Yep. And then, and then you know, you don't see him again until you get, until you start getting videotapes of the IHL and stuff. But and yeah, even even then, of... footage is still scarce from him in the uh, in the IHL too, with like Chicago and then the, uh, yeah. the Las Vegas Thunder and everything like that. Yeah, it's still it's still sparse. To the... So, folks, if you're listening and you have Kerry Toporowski footage, please send it to Darren. Um, yeah, and it's like, and I mean, I know there's rumors. Like I said, we were talking before that. Yeah, Topper actually has a tape of all his fights because I had a guest on my show, Josh Mazer, when he was in Spokane years later after Topper. Topper had given him, lent him his fight tape, and Mazer watched it. I remember him telling me about it. I was like, did you make a copy? He was like, well, no. But apparently at one point, it did exist. So I'd love to see it because, like, yeah, he had some great battles. And the other thing with that is, is um, that was before his injury. Like the whole Fletcher re- ripping his arm. Oh off yeah, stuff. that was brutal. Yeah, f- take people through that for, for those who don't know. It's actually, it's on your YouTube, correct? Yeah, yeah. Go to yeah, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. You type in Toporowski and Steve Fletcher. Uh, it was when uh, Toporowski was playing with. Uh, I think it was, uh, was he with Chicago or was he with the uh, Thunder? Uh, he was. No, he was in the eye. He was with Indianapolis. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they they got into it and uh, they end up fighting. And then when they go down. Like, it's weird. Fletcher's kind of, like, basically straddling Toporowski's arm while the refs are in there. And he basically just grabs Toporowski's arm and, like, just reefs back on it like it's a friggin' UFC. And he basically ended up, I think he ripped all the ligaments in Toporowski's shoulder. And, like, he was done. Like And, and he ended up having to play with a brace and... And he, and he lost his power and everything. Like, he was a completely different player after that. Like, he's even talked about that. Like, he, he was never the same guy. And that was really early in his career. I think it was like th- two or three years into his pro career. And, I mean, obviously he went on and played, you know, for more years after that. Right. But we never – that was a thing. Like, we never – you know, I don't I don't think we ever saw the best of Kerry Toporowski yeah. as a professional. For folks listening, I encourage you to go to Darren's YouTube channel here at Fourth Line Voice. And this, you you want to talk about the code and not hitting a guy while they're down, blah, 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 whatever. You want to talk about one of the most brutal things you'll see in a hockey fight. Um, look up, just carry Toporowski, Steve Fletcher. And like you said, he's like straddling him. And he just takes Topper's arm. And I'm like, I'm over here pantomiming. This is if people can fucking see it, even though this is just an audio podcast. I don't have any video going to it. But he literally takes his arm and like with all of his body weight, pulls back on it. And just like just tears his shoulder out of like the um like like its socket basically and like he said just tears all the ligaments. Well, one of the most brutal things you'll ever see. And after that, actually, they weren't allowed to play against each other. Correct? I think that was the big rumor. Why? Well, yeah, it was something like that. And yeah. it was just like yeah, because I mean I'm looking at his fight card and it's like yeah, ninety one, ninety two. Well, yeah, which is his first year as a pro. His final fight on is December fifteenth against Steve Fletcher, and then and then it's fight cards done. So I think he. He was done playing that year. 
I think that's when he injured him. But they had fought uh, once before. Although they fought out the next year, they fought again in Fort Wayne. So oh, okay, I don't I don't know. But I already I heard that rumor. Unless this fight card might not be complete either, which is completely possible. Right. Um, you know, they might have missed something. But yeah, but yeah, it's pretty so yeah, right away into his rookie year. Um yeah, he got hurt. And so I mean I can rehab and everything else. And I mean obviously he came back and played for years and was punching and everything else, obviously, but I don't know if if it affected his power. I always heard it kind of messed him up and he was never the same. So at any rate, but yeah, it's when you watch it, it's gross. Yeah, it's 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 pretty brutal. Like I said, everybody talks about the code and maybe giving an extra shot when you're down. Yeah, you want to you want to talk about brutal? This guy just tore <laughs> tore Toprowski's shoulder to shit. Unfortunately, um, but like you said, I mean, didn't take anything away from him, I guess, because you know he did very well with Quad City and of course got his number retired there. Um, but rewinding a bit, uh, so you talk about his, and I, of course I've brought it up on the podcast, and I think you have before. And well, actually, Dean Mayran brought it up how he used to steal, Kerry uh, <laughs> Toprowski used to steal chains from people. He stole Dean Mayran's puka shell necklace. But do you remember watching that um, that that Memorial Cup final versus Shakutami and seeing Kerry Toprowski just wreak havoc against that team? Oh yeah, I remember. I remember watching that game live. And it was like, and Spokane was so good. Spokane was so good. They were like just kicking the shit out of everybody in that <laughs> tournament. And as soon as they started beating on them, like it was, because Spokane had a tough team. Just not only was Toporowski, but like, yeah, they, were, they just had tough guys. And it was just like, and as soon as they started, there was a, uh, a lead. I think it was like five or six, one. Like, I think Spokane was blowing them out at that point. Yeah. That was when, like, back then there was no, if you instigate, you're suspended. Like, no, that was when shit got good, was when the score got out of hand. And it was just like, we were watching it, and they're like, I remember saying to my buddy when we were watching, I'm like, some dude with 500 minutes, there's no way he's not going to do something. Because, again, this is (laughs) national TV. Right. This is their shot, right? Because when else is... When else are they on ever on TV? Well, here's on national TV across Canada. You know he's going to do something if if he has an opportunity. And then the funny thing is, when that brawl starts, Toporowski's the one guy that's not in it. No, he's chilling. He's leaning against the boards, not doing anything while yep. everyone else is fighting. And then the guy from Quebec wants to start it, and he comes out and challenges him, and that was a mistake. And then, yeah, Toporowski ends up just not only just kind of beating him up, but just like going straight schoolyard thuggery on him, you know, <laughs> like he starts elbow smashing him in the head and like kneeing him. And then when they're down, they get, <clears throat> they get tackled by the refs and they're lying there for anybody watching it. Watch when the refs are tackling them and they're lying on the ice and Toporowski's on his back and the guy's head is basically on Toporowski's stomach and the refs are in there kind of trying to separate him. Toporowski takes his thumb and thumbs him right in the eye. You can see him clear as day do it, right? It's just like, oh, complete dick move. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, this guy's tremendous. You know, like just, what an asshole. Do you think Toporowski ever ever abided by the code? Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't think, yeah, I don't think he'd ever heard those words. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and also with that fight, so so it starts off as they're on the bench, or like they're by, it's the Spokane bench that they're by. 
And before they go to the ice, you see Top Rat, like literally, this is mid-fight, folks. Like, you can't make this shit up. You can go watch the video. Mid-fight, yep. he takes the guy's chain off. He's still grappling with them, hands the chain off to a fucking teammate on the bench and continues to fight, throws down. They go down to the ice, elbow smashes, and thumbs the guy in the eye. And I again, you can't make this up. It's literally on on youtube again you'll see him literally like it's it's like it took me a second to see it when i first watched it. i had to go back and watch it twice but yeah you'll you'll see him i, I believe it's with his right hand and he, you yep. see him pull it off and he's like reaches up to the bench and then some guy <laughs> some guy from spokane i don't know what player it was but he you know he reaches grabs it he looks at it and he's like you know like oh just shrugs his shoulder then tosses it almost like oh yeah here's another notch in you know Toporowski's belt here another, another one to the collection <laughs> oh yeah and it was like and the guy for Shakutami's just holding on for dear life. Oh, God, yeah. He fucked up. Because, uh, I mean, you know they heard the stories and everything else. And, like, what would he have? Yeah, well, we'll get into the penalty minute breakdown here in a second. But, yeah, like, they would all know who he was. And it's just... Oh, like, yeah. Well, he already fought before. Like, he had fought in the game. He fought the game before in the Memorial Cup, too. So, it was like, because he had two fights in the tournament. So, they would all know who he was. But yeah, he uh, like I said, the myth was uh, was sort of after the fact, unfortunately. And then it was years later when I started getting some Western Hockey League tapes. I ended up getting some of his fights, but not very many. And then I got that. There's a 15 minute tape that was going around that was made by some guy in Spokane. The footage is really grainy and everything, but it has a couple of his interviews and whatever. And it was it was topper footage that we had never seen before, so it was like gold us, right? Us fight nerds, so. But yeah, hard for all those penalty minutes and everything else. Tough guy to get footage of, unfortunately. Yeah, it's crazy. So, like I said, if anybody's out there who has the uh, who happens to have Toporowski footage, please send it. I would say send it my way, but I would be able to do fuck all with it. So send it over to Darren at the Fourth Line Voice. He'll be able to compile it, put it on YouTube, and have it out there, and he'll send you the the you know the video back or whatever. Um, yeah, but if it's, it's on VHS. I can do it. So. There you go. Boy, just, it. just dating yourself over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, if you want to go real deep, if it's beta, I know a guy. Yep. I barely remember beta, and that's like, I think it's only because my grandfather had it. That was it. I barely <laughs> remember that. That's in like the depths of my memory. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the big battle back then. It was either beta or VHS. Who's going to win the format wars? Yep. And, and it was actually, it was too bad because actually beta, the beta tapes were smaller and the quality was better, but... They were more expensive, but the reason uh, that VH, you know why the reason VHS won out over beta is because in California, the porn industry went to VHS instead of beta. So all you degenerates out there who were obsessed with porn, you got you, you got y'all to thank. What a great, yeah, exactly. A great the podcast the here. VHS tapes and not beta out there. What a great podcast! Hockey fights and porn—that's the kind hey. of quality we give you here at the at the Five for Fighting podcast. Fun fact: There yeah. you go. Well, it reminds me of like, you know, because of course, you know, me being a youngster, it was, I remember when like HD DVD was a thing and it was between that and Blu-ray for the longest time. HD yep. DVD was the red case and that went the way of the Dodo bird too. So now Blu- Blu-ray is the standard these days, I guess. Um, exactly. That's the exact same thing. Yeah. Because yep. back then that stuff was expensive, those tapes and stuff. Well, like ballpark, how much was it to like trade a, trade a fight tape with somebody back then? Oh, it was brutal because the tape itself was probably four or five bucks, the tape, and then you had to mail it, and the mailing was at least 10, you know? So it was like, yeah, it's 15, 16 bucks for one VHS tape, right? And so, yeah, so 
<clears throat> when all of a sudden DVDs came around and you could record on those, well, that was like a godsend. Because then you could send like, you know, 15, 20 DVDs to a guy and it would cost you the same as like what one VHS tape used to. <laughs> Plus the right. VHS tapes were like, you could smash them pretty easy. Like, I don't know. There was a few times, oh, you finally get your envelope or your fight tapes and all, oh, this is going to be great. You open it up and it's in pieces because they smashed it, right? It's just like, oh, like, no, how heartbreaking yeah. that is. You wait six weeks for your uh, Cincinnati Cyclones VHS tape and, <laughs> and then it's smashed. Yeah. Yeah, got to love it. The the joys of fight, fight tape trading back in the day. Oh, man. And now it's, like, like I always said, it's easier than ever to get footage onto YouTube now and nobody fights anymore. You love it. Um, oh yeah, got all the yeah. Now if a guy's played in the Western Hockey League, you could have every fight known to man. But and now they don't fight. So. Or you have leagues yeah. that you know like to take fights down. I wonder who we're talking about here. Um, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I that digress. Seems silly, who'd do that? Yeah, I digress, yeah. as they say. Um, well, we talked about it a little bit before, but you you were kind of getting into the pims there, and I should I fucked up. I should have asked <laughs> tough guy numbers before this because I I want to say he's got like. The I numbers got it. Oh, you I got, got it? it. All right. Well, Darren over here coming prepared. Way much better, much better guest than I am a host here. But so for for folks listening that don't know, the 505 penalty minutes from Kerry Toporowski was in the Western Hockey League back in the day, and at the time they did not record 10 minute misconduct. So anytime they got a misconduct, that was not recorded on the penalty minutes. It was just you know you got a 10 misconduct or excuse me a 10 minute misconduct, but it never showed up on the actual stat sheet. So, including 10-minute misconducts, I guess Darren here has the total number of penalty minutes that Kerry Toporowski had on top of the 505 for fighting. Yeah. So, in 1990-91, in 65 games, uh, I had 11 goals, too. Look at that. From the, from the point. From the, he's the defenseman, remember? Yep. So it's not bad. Not bad. 65 games. He had 505 regular season penalty minutes. Then in the playoffs, in another 15 games, he had 108 penalty minutes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, um, breaking it down, he had 58 fighting majors, 38 misconducts, 6 game misconducts, and 160, 166 minor penalties that year. For a grand total of 84 games played, for a total of 1,062 minutes and penalties. Holy shit. That is getting after it if I've ever if I've ever seen it. <laughs> imagine that. Well, imagine like an NHL team plays like 82 regular season games. So here's a guy that would have 1,062 penalty minutes. Oh, well, and you said what, 58 fighting majors? 58 fighting majors, 38 misconducts. I just like the 166 minor penalties. Yeah. I always said, how good was Spokane's penalty kill unit? <laughs> right. Because yeah, not only shit. they finished first in the league, they they were awesome. They end up winning the Memorial Cup. And, and, I mean, that's the thing. And you go look on their team. I mean, okay, you have Topper with 505. But, I mean, you know, Frank Evans has 104. Cam Danluck has 226. And, like, like I mean, they had, you know, guys with 80 90 96 minutes like yeah they had like a tough team so it's not only just him with all his minor penalties oh, like yeah. it would have been unbelievable how many penalties that team killed yeah for, for nhl coaches looking for the the secret or any any coach for that matter looking for the secret for a penalty kill i guess go back and look at the spokane chiefs from those days holy shit yeah <laughs> yeah exactly well and then of course they had like they have Brian Maxwell, the coach, who's like the perfect coach. Too. Of course. 
you know, yeah, because I'm like, well, for, and then the other thing to think of, well, well I always laugh because I remember talking, I remember giving that stat to Chris Graff, who played in Spokane years later for Babcock, and Graff goes, if I took one minor penalty, I was benched for the rest of the night. He goes, how does a coach let a guy get 166 minor penalties? <laughs> like, only Brian Maxwell, you know, so, yeah, unbelievable. Oh, and, yeah. you, and you know those minor penalties are like greasy pims, too. It's not like, you know, oh, it's a tripping call or, you know, oh, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah, it was like obstruction game. holding. Yeah, yeah no, no. Yeah, you're getting a cross-check, a slash, or fucking roughing. There's no in-between. <laughs> and probably oh, yeah. probably well, a couple boarding calls in there, too. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I always say it's too bad that they actually they didn't add the 10s because the, the actual penalty minute totals, just even for the season, to go through the top 10 list would have been hilarious. Oh, yeah. Because there would have been guys, there would have been like, I remember the, I can't, oh, I don't have it in front of me, but like somebody put up Toporowski's, his regular season was like, whatever, 801. And then somebody else had like 630. And there was a guy, a couple guys with five, and then a bunch of guys with 400. Like the dub was just so stacked back then. And that was the thing. And I always believe, I think the Ontario League and the Quebec League, counted the tens in their penalty minutes but the western league didn't do it because the reason they didn't do it is because of they they thought it would make the league look bad <laughs> and and they're and at some points the problem that's probably valid right be, because if you start looking and you have like seven guys with over 400 minutes of penalties you're probably wondering what kind of league you're getting to <laughs> right you know well like you said you 84 games you got a guy with a thousand minutes like yeah you got to start kind of questioning a few things so I could, from a from a PR standpoint, is why they didn't add the tens. But at the same time, it's like, well, from a player standpoint, it's like, dude, I earned those tens. Right. I want yeah. Them in my to- <laughs> I want them in my totals. So, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. But yeah, no. Well, I'm glad he got the actual number. Fuck. At that point, he's almost given like Swanson a run for his money for the fighting totals out in the LNH. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, oh, and just... like I said, like you know, and it was like between between all those fights, because what is it? The first year he had thirty eight fights, and the second year he had fifty eight, right? So it's like, what did I say? Yeah, thirty. Yeah, so ninety six. Yeah, ninety six total fights in the Western League, and they're like, there's like five on tape. It's just like, ugh. yeah, it's brutal. frustrating. There's so actually there's a really good fight that I have on my channel against Paul Cruz in the playoff series that year. That's a good fight. They go toe to toe. That's a good one. I forget who it was, but somebody had posted a fight he had when he was, I think I believe it was when he was with Detroit in like the preseason, and he had Chicago. a real. Oh, is it Chicago? Yeah, he had a really fucking good one. I think it might have been hockey hockey fights history. Yep. Yeah, he did have a really good one because he was he was in Chicago. Chicago took him in the yep, draft. That's right. It was like, uh, or no, San Jose took him in the draft, and I think he had, he got traded to Chicago. He got traded to Chicago before going to. Could Detroit. you imagine when San Jose took him in the draft? Imagine they could have had him and Gates. At the same time. Oh, and Dodie Wood on top of it, too, just if, if yeah. case that wasn't enough. Yeah, have fun. Good luck playing. You're going to get the San Jose flu every fucking night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really wish they'd kept them. But, yeah. And then uh, Chicago. I'm trying to think. Who do you have? That? Yeah. It's a really good fight, too. They go toe-to-toe. It was it Cummins? No, it wasn't Cummins. I'm trying to think now because it's going to bother me. Let me see if I can. Well, I'm looking at his drop the gloves. They have Hartman, Miller, Chase, and Dave Mackey. It's not any of them. Actually, Drop Your Gloves doesn't have it listed, that fight. 
but it's uh, I'm trying to think. Is it VL? It might have been VL. Yeah, I know he had one with Kimball too. But when he was with Ki- when it was Kimball, I think that was the AHL. Um, it was. It was Cummins. It was. It was Jim Cummins. Okay, that was it. Okay, that's what I, was, that's what I, th- I thought it was. But yep, it was when Cummins was with. Uh, I think Cummins was with Detroit at the time. Or yep. no, one yep. of the two. Okay. Yep. Yep. Real riveting stuff here, folks. As we sit here and you know, it's going to bother us until we go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cummins we're, was with. We're, uh... we're so prepared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was a toe to toe battle, and that was a good one. Um, and that was the thing with Kerry Toporowski. You're always you're always going to get lefts with him. He was a big lefty. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, another thing that that people don't know. Um, Toporowski initially tried out with the Saskatoon Blades. Oh, did he really? Um, well, and you know who his defense partner in camp was? Kent Staniforth. Oh, look at that. Go get Imagine oh. that blue line. Staniforth, of course, ended up getting cut and then ended up going to Moose Jaw and picking up 700 minutes of penalties in two years in Moose Jaw. <laughs> but him and, him and Topper were in Blades camp together because uh, Staniforth actually sent me a picture of it. And there's old Topper rocking the Cooperalls mm. in camp. Yeah, the old. But the best Alls. part about that is he's wearing Cooperalls in camp, but Cooperalls had like gone out of style like five years before that, so it was like. Oh, so he vo- voluntarily rocking the Cooperalls. What a beauty! Oh yeah, like, else, <laughs> everybody would probably just be looking at him like, "What is this guy wearing?" But no one's gonna say anything. That's what I say. Right? You think anybody's gonna say, "Hey, uh, no, what's up with them Cooperalls, buddy?" <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll post that. Pic- I'll find that picture that Kent sent me. I'll put it. I'll put it up online tonight. But uh, yeah, it's from a distance or whatever. You could, I mean, you can't tell who either of them are. Right. He tells you, but he's like, yeah, he's my defense partner in, in Blades Camp. And there's Toporowski rocking the the Blaze, the Kamloops Blazers looking Cooperalls. But that was the thing with like, and I asked Kent about because Staniforth actually fought Topper twice in the Western League. Those fights, actually, one of the fights I have up on my channel. Um, that's a good fight too. Kent did well with him, but I remember I asked, I asked Kent like. Like, what was the deal with Topper? The re- And he's like, oh, yeah, like, all the players knew Topper's rep. And it was like, there was guys legit scared of him. Like, even in junior at that time, it was like, because I know from talking to guys later on in their careers and stuff, when he turned pro and stuff with Topper, they were always like, you didn't know what you're, like, you didn't know if he's going to give you the stick. Right. Like, because he didn't give a shit. He did not care. Like, he just had, like, black eyes. And didn't care, and he just cross checking the face, and it didn't matter. Like he was that guy, and it, so and in junior, he had, it was the same thing, right? Like he would not feel bad about two handing you across the wrist. Like like Staniforth said, oh, if you're gonna try to beat him wide, he was gonna hack your wrist and try to break it. So right. You can decide. You can decide what you want to do. So he said, most guys are just dumping in, right? Like and not chasing. <laughs> it was dumping, no chase. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, whatever, we'll let him get off the ice, then we'll go do our shit, right? But, like, there was legit tough guys that, like, I always heard, heard the rumor, like, you know, that, like, John Baduk, who's, like, a legit tough guy. Like, Baduk played forever in the minors and whatever, but he wanted nothing to do with Topper. Like, he was just like, no. Well, it, like, was, there was, um, lot... it was Steve Adams on your podcast that said he, <laughs> Topper sticked him in the mouth, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and Adams was saying what a big fan he was. He yeah. was telling him what a big fan he was. Was on an icing play. They were going back to the other end. The topper goes, "Oh yeah, really?" And then all of a sudden, just plunk, jams a stick blade right into his teeth. Yeah, enjoy that one. Tongue all up. He goes, "I can't believe you didn't knock all my teeth out," but for no reason. 
No, hey, that was the job back then, and that leads me to the last question I'll ask you, man. I'll let you get on your way. I know you you got a you got a riveting interview tonight. Actually, look at that, Darren uh, pumping out content yeah. far better than I am. Um, so we talk about this, and there's always a difference between being a good fighter and a good enforcer. Um, no. I think Toporowski might have been the best of both worlds, but would you put Top now? This is including the NHL. You know, would you put Kerry Toporowski in top ten all time for greatest enforcers in hockey? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, that I should. I guess I kind of have to plead the fifth on this one because I, I really, I, I just never saw him play that much. Right. Like, I mean, I've seen the fight tapes of him, and I've seen him fight, but I was never around him. Like, I wasn't in Vegas to watch him play with the Thunder for the year or yeah. whatever. So I don't know. I think. Oh, I think, yeah, in terms of enforcing, yeah, he would be just because he's nuts. <laughs> right. Or people perceived that he was. So I, 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 think... I think things would just calm down because they wouldn't want him. Because I think that's the thing that made him scary, right? Because it wasn't like he was going to be the LaRock guy. Oh, good luck, bro. No, and we'll have none a fair of that. Square off and it'll be all good. Like, you weren't getting that. Like, he might cross check, he might spear you, he might fight you. I don't know. Maybe. Or he might elbow you. And if I he's, mean, if, he's matter, fighting, right? if he's fighting if he's fighting you, he's mugging you too. He's throwing the chain to the bench. You know? It's like Yeah, exactly. So it was like Yeah, and he was gonna pull your hair and poke you in the eye or fish hook you or whatever. And I think I can't remember who I had on my show. Somebody he fish hooked somebody, I think, in a fight. It was just like it didn't matter. Like he was gonna if it, it was just like a switch went, right? And it was just so in that terms, it's like just the unpredictable that would make him, yeah, it would make him effective enforcer because it was like, if he's yelling at your bench or you do something else and someone's going to get it, you believe him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one thing if some guy's yelling, oh, you're all dead. You know, yeah, okay, buddy, sure. You know, and they just laugh at you. I mean, who is it like, uh, not knocking him, but it's the one mic up thing. Was it Sestito? When he's yelling at the bench. Oh, like, yeah, Sestito. the face and like Brad Richards goes, yeah, this is like, uh, you know, fantasy camp for you isn't he's it? like you'll be, be back, back in the, the minors and... tomorrow or some shit oh, yeah. yeah and it's so it's like no one's taken like i'm not knocking Cecilia, whatever i'm just using that that as an example but if topper but says it you, it holds more weight Toporowski had yelled over there i'm gonna cross check one of you guys in, in the face to knock out all your teeth brad richards ain't gonna yell back this is fantasy camp for you eh, topper? <laughs> like no he'd sit down and not say anything because he'd know he's probably gonna be the one that's gonna get it and that would, and that was the other thing. Like, if he's going to spear you or hack you, oh, it wasn't like, oh, I can't do it to someone smaller. I got to do it to a heavyweight. Like, no, no, it wouldn't matter who's. Someone's getting it. It didn't matter who. So it's like, yeah, from in terms of an actual intimidation, like he'd be right up there with the link gates and stuff like that. In terms of, see, that's the other thing. And I, again, I'm a, I like Topper and everything else. When it comes down to it, he really wasn't that great of a fighter. Like, if you go back and watch his fights, it's not like he's, like, knocking everybody out and murdering guys. No, he almost reminds me of, a, like, uh, for lack of a better term, a probert, where he's not going to knock you out. He's going to overwhelm you and just do whatever the fuck he has to to win, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, he saw the Chicago fights when he was wide open before he got hurt. Then it's like, okay, but I think after he got hurt, I think that really affected his power. I think so, too. And it's like, so he did a lot of like kind of wrestling and like inside like dirty fighting and stuff and whatever. I'm not saying he wasn't tough or he hit hard or like, obviously he did, but it was like, 
I can remember because again with the myths and stuff, we never got to see a lot of them. So it was like, oh yeah, this guy's crazy and all this. So then you finally get like the Las Vegas footage or the Chicago footage, and you're kind of watching it, and you're like, I don't, he's not really winning any of these, you know? It's like I don't know, like he's not losing, but it's like, I thought this guy was like a killer, and so it was kind of underwhelming. But it was like, but he was just so unpredictable. Like he'd start a brawl like almost every time, <laughs> right? It would end up in a line brawl. And he'd be fighting some guy, and the refs would separate him, and he's supposed to go off the ice. But for whatever reason, I don't know why, in the IHL, these linesmen would, like, let him go. Yeah. They wouldn't take him (laughs) all the way to the box. They'd go, like, halfway and then turn around and go back to the brawl. Well, he'd just turn around and skate back into the brawl again. Oh, yeah. And then he'd grab some other guy and start punching him. And, like, it didn't matter who it was. And it was like he'd start punching them. Well, that's then, that's how I got the fucking the little audio clip for the intro to the podcast where he's like, "Well, let's yeah. call it like it is." Toporowski's a goon. That was after he was already escorted off, and I believe he went back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, had, he went back and he grabbed Jason Ruff and started like punching him, and then Ruff starts like just tagging him, like Ruff starts beating the shit out of him, really. Yeah, and then they break it up again, and then again he separates and he goes after <laughs> someone else, and this time I think it's the goalie, but the goalie puts a stick up. And he was like, you come, and he's like, if you come at me, I'll swing my stick at you. And then finally they broke it up or whatever. And, you know, you know it was the IHL back in the 90s. I'm sure he probably got three games for it or something. <laughs> you the, know, whatever. The horror if that like, happened today. <laughs> oh, he'd be in three to five and sing sing if he did it now. But it's like, <laughs> but yeah, but it was just like, he'd always just do shit. Like he'd just snap show on shit, you know. But he had some good, like he had a good fight with, like I'm thinking, Kerry Clark along the board. He actually gave yep. it to Clark pretty he good gave that to fight. Clark on that one, yeah. Yeah, he did. I, I will that. say from what I've heard, and I, when I asked McFarlane that question too about his, because of course, I, you know, this is still, even though I got to see him live back in the day, I was like, you know, six, seven years old. So it's not like I remember it. I will say McFarlane gave him mad props in terms of fighting. Um, so I, I'm wondering if it almost took him a little bit to rehabilitate that injury. And he did better yeah. in quantity because Jay said the same thing. Jay said he he can maybe count on one hand how many fights Toporowski lost. And I think, you know, with, with Jay, yeah, he's a Quad City fan. And, of course, I'm a Quad City fan. Obviously, McFarland being his teammate in Quad City might have a little bit of bias there. But at the same time, um, I believe, you know, Jay seeing most games and McFarland, of course, playing, you know, with him. I think it holds some merit. So I believe I think it might have just taken him some time to rehabilitate the injury because, like I said, once once he got going in Quad City, I think that's where he really found his niche. And like I said, they from from a few accounts, he didn't lose many. So I'm wondering if it was almost if it took him a while to like you said, for lack of a better term, he was kind of gun shy after the Fletcher thing. Yeah, I mean maybe. Like I said, it's just like all the footage I've seen, like even the Vegas stuff. Like I said, it wasn't that he was getting beat up. Right, he was. But yeah, it wasn't, wasn't like, like he was he getting was pounded. Really beating anybody up either. Yeah, right. I get like, what you're saying. And and like I said, in your mind, when you think a thousand minutes and eighty games, this guy's gonna murder everyone, and and he had such a reputation. Like even the announcers, when you're listening to a fight, oh, oh, you got Topper wound up now. Right. So you're thinking like, oh my god, this guy's gonna like put this guy five feet up, six feet under, right? But it was just like, yeah, okay, well, yeah, he won, but you know, because he wasn't really the biggest guy either. No, he wasn't like, the biggest guy. Like, I think he's like, what, 6'2? Uh, yeah, 6'1, six, 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 6'2. Yeah, nothing crazy. Yeah, so it wasn't like he's some massive guy. So, but yeah, so it was just, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just different. Like, I don't know. But I mean, he had, like, he fought a lot of people. Like, he fought, had a good fight card and everything else. So, yeah, 
like I said, it would have been just, it would have been fun to see. It, it would have just been fun to see like an 18 year old Toporowski. Oh, you yeah. know, just full on, just pissing vinegar, testosterone, yeah, teenager, just <laughs> ready to rock and roll and just fighting everybody and like, yeah, and especially back then in the in the Western League because there was just so many tough guys, um, you know, and he fought everybody, right? And it's just like, you know, Virtue and Paduke and Trevor the Turner Stevenson and yeah and Clayton Norris and all those guys, like, yeah, it would have been interesting. Um, I will say, like, for all the guys that I've had on my show and and throughout the years talking to different guys in the Western League, he's definitely held in like high regard. Like, you know, I mean, they might not, they hated playing against them. They, they're <laughs> like, yeah, fuck that guy. You know, they might, they hated him, but at the same time, like no one has ever, oh, yeah, he was a pussy, you know, or no, oh, yeah, Mark, no bite. Never heard like, that. No one's him. ever said that. Like, no, no. And I mean, like he was legitimate, the real deal. Cause some guys are penalty minute hounds too. Right. Right. And I mean, I'm sure he probably, you know, probably to jack up the total got a few tens but because i'm sure he was definitely going for the fucking record western hockey league record which he 505 he didn't get it which is interesting i actually when i was looking up this show i mean everybody i everybody talks about the western hockey league's penalty minute record is 505 with toporowski and it's not it's brent vogel with 511 but for some reason he's not listed and it's like i don't know why huh which is really weird but so Toporowski has the second most penalty minutes in WHL history, but uh, yeah, it uh, with five oh five, so it was. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm sure he was trying to get the record, so I'm sure he probably had a few greasy tens in there. Oh, well, like <laughs> he couldn't have, right? Because then they don't count the tens, so there's right. no point. Exactly. You know? So I guess I guess he's trying to get. He needed to get five more minors. I guess I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Darren over at the Fourth Land Voice uh, coming on to uh, talk about some Kerry Toporowski Jr. stuff. Um, Darren, I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the podcast. It's always a pleasure. Hey, man, it was fun. Did we actually really talk about anything? I, I don't know. I feel like we just babbled. I think, well, I, I mean, I am, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bush lights deep. So, uh, you know, Topper, if you're listening, I apologize if the content is shitty here. It's, I promise you it gets better with uh, Jay and Mark after this. <laughs> so, um, but no, Darren, seriously, thanks, man. It was awesome. Oh, I, hey, anytime, man. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, well, I mean, I'm sure I'll be on your show or you'll be on my show again in the near future and people can, you know, <laughs> put some knives into their ears again for that time because it's going to be just an absolute shit show. So as well, always, you're though. definitely going to be coming on the show because speaking of Toporowski, because I'm going to get you on for the minor league mayhem preview show. Oh I'll get you boy. And Jay on and Topper will definitely obviously be in the tournament. So his name will be coming up again. Hide the women and children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> well, thanks again, man, for coming on. Absolutely. Hey, no problem. Yeah. You have yourself a good one, man. You too, man. Take it easy. Bye. This should be good. This should be very good. All right. The next guest is a returning guest of the podcast. And if you recall, I think it was back in December we did it. Um, it was the top 10 Quad City Mallard tough guys of all time. And if, you know, I've been on the fourth line voice with him going over the Ice Wars and the results of Ice Wars. And that is Jay out in Iowa. Jay, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great tonight, Alec. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, at least you're not sitting at the kitchen table and 
we're not pounding bush lights this time. Yeah, well, this this one. Well, I'm not going to make any promises, but this one might be a little bit more on track than the other one because I mean, I think we <laughs> we stopped mid mid podcast to go watch Travis Howe lay the beats on uh, Mike Turner of Atlanta, so that was great. It was like two squirrels that saw something shiny. Ooh, fight! Yeah, well, we had the leaning tower of bush lattes going, so I'm sure that was uh, no help either. <laughs> there, we made some room in my fridge that night. Uh, yeah, plenty. Yeah, you had. There was no, there was no leftovers. We'll put it that way. I kind of missed my. I should get my Viking drinking horn out right now. Oh, I forgot. We lived the good thing. old days. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. But you know, I so if you're listening to that podcast, you'll know who the number one choice was. And spoiler spoiler alert: if you haven't listened to the podcast, go back and listen to it. But number one of that podcast um, for the top ten Quatsy Mallet tough guys of all time was Kerry Toporowski. And of course, that's what this special is on. And so we're here. Jay has been a Quad City hockey fan since its inception, correct? Yep. First game would have been the second month of the first season. Right on. So this was still the old Colonial Hockey League um, before it was even the UHL at the time. So, I mean, that that's just dating yourself there. It's like I'm talking to a fossil here. Oh, I don't, I don't like to hear that, man. Mike, I got another <laughs> birthday coming up. When the when the first number on your birthday is a four, everything is just downhill. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I was appreciate you bringing that. that up, though. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I'm four years away from thirty, so this scares the fuck out of me. <laughs> I have socks older than you are. Oh, tremendous. Oh, well, hold on. I'd, as I say, we're not going to get distracted. I, I we, you know, I have the Kansas City uh, Mavericks and a rush game on, and so their chuck a puck at center ice is a toilet bowl to chuck it into. <laughs> of all things, gotta love minor pro hockey. Um, so. You know what? It's your fault. I'm distracted now. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I had the uh, Peoria Rivermen Evansville Thunderbolts SPHL game on. First intermission in Peoria for like the least at least the last three years. They have toilet races on the ice. Oh, tremendous! One guy, one person. I apologize. One person sits on the can, and the other person pushes it down the length of the ice. <laughs> of course they do. That's that's fucking great. Oh man, you got this is what I was talking about before we got going here. But the the atmosphere and the joys of minor pro hockey it can't be matched. I will go to a minor pro game before the NHL any day of the week. I I love that that actually the marksman game I went to the other day. The the Zamboni was in the shape of a tank. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Oh, I love it. Well, yeah, we have one here that's in the shape of like a the Toyota dealer wrapped it to look like a <laughs> Toyota truck, and the other one looks like a trash like a trash truck. Fantastic, fantastic. Um. Well, if it's you know, not Carney, it's not minor league hockey. Precisely, and I love. I think you were on the fourth line voice when you did it, but all the uh, the minor league promos that the Mallards have come out with over the years. Oh, that, was, that I, was fantastic! I encourage folks to go check that episode out. I believe that was your season ticket series. I think I could be wrong. No, that was the he did like a bunch of different. I think it was maybe his two hundredth episode. Oh uh, yeah, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. I wasn't included, so I wouldn't know, Darren. Um, <laughs> well, what's funny is you mentioned that to to bring it back on topic. The Mallards actually gave away a Kerry Toporowski uh, celebrate duck, like yes. a, a rubber duck bearing Kerry Toporowski's visage, complete with black eye. At one point, that's how popular he was here in Quad City. Yes, I actually well, the one you gave me, I have it sitting up with all the bobbleheads on the shelf. Of course, uh, for this this podcast here, normally I do video, but I figured it'd be a, a bit much to try to do the video 
edit everything down. So I think I'm just doing the audio format. But normally, if you are if you watch the podcast on YouTube and you see behind me with all the bobbleheads, you'll see the Toporowski duck up there. I got to get the Toporowski bobblehead still. I'm still missing that one. I got the McFarlane one you gave me. but um, I think I think I got two or three. I'll have to check the... Uh... The old GHL Legends archives at Mister the Lugans' <laughs> house, but I'm I'm pretty sure I got at least one or two extras. I'll I'll save one aside for you. Tremendous. Um, well, you know we we brought him up already, and so the man of the hour, of course, for this episode is Kerry Toporowski. And you know, you being a lifelong Quad City Mallards fan or Quad City hockey fan, and now that they're the Quad City Storm, um, you know, Kerry Toporowski is such a polarizing figure out there. Uh, you know, in the Quad City area, he still lives there. I believe he lives in Bettendorf. Um, and you know, he's got his kids that are where one of them was involved with the storm at one point. The other one's actually playing in Providence right now, um, as of this podcast, which is awesome to hear. But do you remember the first time you heard Kerry Toporowski's name and what was it kind of like hearing him come to town to play for quad city? Cause quad city had already so, had some toughness pr- uh, prior to him. Oh, absolutely. It was, that's one thing we've always loved here in, in QC is our tough guys. So it was the 97, 98 season. And it was, it was just after Christmas. I didn't know, I didn't know at the time, but he had just been released from uh, Birmingham in the ECHL. And there was a newspaper article came out that said, you know, this, this tough guy, Kerry Toporowski is coming to town. He's a monster. You know, he got released because people were scared of him. He doesn't belong. You know, he basically, he doesn't belong down here because he's been an AHL and IHL tough guy for so long. And he's going to come. He's going to put the league on notice. And the first game he was here, it was a couple a couple days after Christmas. And I, I apologize. I don't remember who it was. It might have been one of the Feesby brothers. I think I think it was either Scott or Mike Feesby. I apologize if it wasn't. But in the first period, he just he just grabbed him out of nowhere, just started wailing on him. And I thought, yeah, that's that's not a bad not a bad way to start the season. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, well, did you... So, of course, this being, you know, 97, 98 season, um, obviously the internet wasn't around there. And, you know, damn, kids like myself grew up with their their tabloids and fancy phones and everything now that we have more knowledge. Oh, I say more knowledge as if people don't ever fucking use it because, you know, people are just stupid these days. But, you know... The power at the palm of your hand, literally. Like, I can look up Kerry Toporowski, see 505 penalty minutes in the Western Pro League. Or was it Western Pro League? Western Hockey League. Um, did you have any idea that, that that was kind of the rep that he was carrying on? Like, I don't know. Did the article happen to mention that he was, like, the record holder for penalty minutes in a season out in the Western Hockey League? Nope. It was pretty much, you know, just they talked about his reputation, and that was pretty much it. But like you said, yeah, there was there was really no way to know about it. And then as the season progressed a little bit, you got to hear through, well, obviously just through the newspaper and through TV news, you know, it'd come out, oh, you know, he set a record in junior hockey for 505 penalty minutes. Well, at the time in in the United League, you know, guys were getting 300 and once in a while 400 penalty minutes. And you think, I mean, 505 is a lot, but it's not like night and day more than we've seen before. But then it came out, that's not counting 10-minute misconducts and game misconducts. <laughs> right. And you kind of take a step back and realize that that that's a lot. Like, that is a lot of penalty minutes, and that dude is here, and he's he's making a name for himself here at a, at a much lower level than he's used to playing that, and it was just incredible. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it was tough guy numbers that crunched it, and um, 
I want to say it was anywhere between like seven to eight hundred that he had on for penalty yep, minutes. That, with the 10 it was it was what like seven like seven fifty in the regular season. Yeah, because that wasn't included. Might, might have been either. closer to eight. And then yeah, in the in the playoffs and the Memorial Cup. Yeah, it ended up being over a thousand penalty minutes in that season, <laughs> counting tens and games. I mean, that's just insane, man. Um, well, and of course, I've, they're going to be on after this, but I had you know Mark McFarlane and Howie Rosenblatt on to give me some some inside scoop about Toporowski. And actually, one of the first things I heard of was because I had McFarlane on forever ago. He's one of like the first guests I ever had. Tremendous guest, by the way. Um, and I encourage folks to go check go back and check out that episode. But he had mentioned you know Toporowski kind of um, had some unique ways of getting under the opponent's skin. We'll say, and you know I heard stories about him putting on like icy hot on his glove and you know getting under opponent's so, skin and face washed him did you ever see anything like that so what's funny is uh my dad and i went to muskegon when the mallards were playing the fury and the fury had a player named robin bouchard who was he had some of the best talent i've ever seen and he was probably the best player i've ever seen at getting underneath opponent's skin excuse me and Topper has said himself he's one of the two players that he hated playing against the most. Well, to start the game, Topper started the game and, and Bouchard started the game, and Topper was famous for giving, you know, giving the face wash. Right. Well, yeah, he, he gives Bouchard a face wash, and Bouchard grabs his face and goes down and starts kicking his feet. And you think, eh, well, I mean, he, he he's done that before. You know, it's not a big deal. And then, he, yeah, all of a sudden it comes out his – Toporowski's glove was just smeared with icy hot. He rubbed it all over Bouchard's face and in his eyes and all that shit. <laughs> oh, boy. You got to love it. You got to love it. And nothing, as far as I remember, I don't even think he got penalized for it, let alone suspended. Well, I mean, it was a different time back then. People listening to this might be like, oh, my God, that's barbaric. And you know, this was the, the same era where Kaminsky was putting edges on his fucking CCM bucket to cut up people's knuckles if they punched his helmet in a fight, you know, and like sharpening visors out in the dub or in junior hockey. It was like, you know, this was a completely different era. This was the Wild West back then. And I don't think people today would quite understand just how crazy hockey was back in the day. Oh, yeah. Like they were putting that, the, you know, the tough skin all over their knuckles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you all know, that was, fun stuff. It was nothing to give a guy two, three, four more shots when he was on the ice. And that was it didn't – it wasn't a big deal. Right. Like, there was no there was no slashing calls when you two-handed the guy behind the leg. You might you maybe get two minutes for slashing. Yeah. No, absolutely. They had never heard of slew foot back then either. No, if, like, I, it's funny. You, know, you I remember that, too, when I first heard the word slew foot. And that was like – probably like early to mid 2000s where it was like almost on the cusp of like the 2010s. But yeah, I had never heard that term in hockey. And I was just, you know, like you said back then, that wasn't even a thing. It was just like, yeah, that What's was just a regular is, play. <laughs> the, the first person I ever saw get suspended for a slew foot was Robin Bouchard on, uh, I don't know one of your favorites, Patrick Nadeau. Oh, no, not Nadeau. Yeah, so he slew footed Doe and Muskegon and got suspended for it for like the two games. Oh, I don't think I told you the bad news and completely off topic here, but you brought up the Doe. That that St. Patrick's Day bobblehead that you gave me, it did not survive in our like five hundredth move. So yeah. Oh no. I know. Top I could, hat patty. Yeah, top hat patty, exactly. So unfortunately we are we, that one had to uh you know, we, we had to give give it a proper send off before taking it out back behind the woodshed. <laughs> I'll uh I'll, I'll dig into the archives again. I I got like two or three of everything. Of course you do. Then. I I never threw away anything. <laughs> it's it's tremendous. It's it's exact like it's exactly how I would be too. Um I just 
I'm, I'm glad I'm glad Mr. The Lugans got enough room to store that shit because there's no way I could even have it here in the house to wipe it. Oh yeah, boxes sure. out to the, the garage, the garage or the trash every other week. <laughs> um, you know, with with Topper being such a polarizing figure in Quad City now, did the fans take to him right away? Like, because obviously, like I said before him, I believe you guys had the mailman and guys like that. Um, you know, and so was it instantly? Like, did everybody just instantly love Topper at that point? Oh, absolutely! It was right from the get go. There was no no feeling out period. And that's the way, you know, it's always been with tough guys around here. Immediately, they're they're the biggest, you know, biggest draw. Well, it's pretty much like everywhere. You know, they're, there's, they're always the biggest. The, Whose who, jersey goes for most of the auctions? Top scorer, goalie, and tough guy. You know, it's the same here. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, the tough guy. I know firsthand, damn it, that Kyle Newber military jersey cost me quite a bit, but luckily we were able to sell some assets to get that one. <laughs> well, what's incredible is there was also a player in another minor league tough guy legend named Gary Goulash. Yes. And they were both here on the blue line at the same time, and their jerseys, they would always you know, go back and forth with who's the highest would go for. And that's back when there was one jersey auction a year, and you couldn't the cheapest one would be 1500 bucks. Well, I remember one year it would have been, I believe it was the millennium auction where Toporowski's Jersey went for, I think $7,100. That's, <laughs> that's insane. It, well, one that was back, you know, circuit. What, what year was this? It would have been, I, I, I want to say it would have been uh, for the millennium, the millennium ducks was the theme. So it would have been, Oh yeah, it would right have been like around, right, 2000. Right 2000. Yeah, 2000. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's like <laughs> that kind of money today is ridiculous. Let alone back in yeah. 2000. So, um, yeah, I wonder if people actually like Toporowski or not. <laughs> yeah, it was right right from the get go. And I think what a lot of people don't realize when they when they just look at his and I, I I'm I'll bring his kind of career as a whole right now just just for the statement. Yep. What a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, they look at his penalty minutes and, you know, 200, 300, 400 penalty minutes a season. But he was also in every shift player. Like, he was a first and second pairing defenseman in the UHL for years. So he'd be getting 25, 30 minutes a game. And, you know, he'd play on the penalty kill. He'd play, in, he wouldn't play on the power play very often, but once in a while you'd see 77 out there on the power play. And, you know, three, four times a year, he'd grab the puck in his own zone and he'd go end to end and put it in the net. Yeah, I love it. The, sort of the, the whole pictures. crowd would be on their feet. It, it wasn't fast. It, you know, there was enough time for everybody to get on their feet and get ready for it. But he would go <laughs> end to end with the puck. And it was, I don't know that the crowd would make more noise when anybody else would score. Oh, hundred percent. Well, you're speaking of all this, all this, you know, end to end goal scoring action from Topper. I wish I could, I should ask him. Um, but I have always noticed too. He did the fucking candy cane tape job on his twig, yep. and so I've, I've always wondered what do you you know what, what was the purpose of that? Um, you know, because I've always wondered what the purpose of that tape job is anyway. Um, but just seeing it with Topper is always funny to me because it's like you know, you, you, like you said, you see the penalty minutes with him, but people don't realize he was also a very good defenseman and solid for the team and a regular shift guy. Um, but yeah, seeing the the candy cape tape always made me laugh. Got a kick out of it. So I'm looking right now. He played parts of six seasons here. And in those six seasons, only one of those seasons, his final season when he played 10 games, was he actually a minus. He was oh, a wow. minus one his final season. 
but every other season he was he was a positive player. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, only three full seasons in his career. No, I take that back. Only two full seasons in his career was he actually a minus player, minus two and minus four. So yeah, it's not like it was a really big minus player either. No, and that's I mean that's playing you know thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy games one year. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, and you know. You speak of him being a good player, and there's always the question as well, or I shouldn't say question, but as Darren has said and I've said it, you know, there's a difference between being a good fighter and a good enforcer. Um, and I think we all know Kerry Toprowski as an enforcer is probably one of the greatest to ever do it in terms of minor pro hockey or even, honestly, I would probably put him in a top 10 list of all time if we're being honest. And maybe it's just my bias, but even if you want to just include greatest enforcers of all time and you take compile it from all hockey leagues to include the NHL, I still think Topper cracks the, at least the top 10 um, just because he was so unpredictable. Oh, absolutely. And, and I've said on your show, I've said on Darren's show, I'm not an NHL guy. I, I haven't really, I've never really followed the NHL all that much. But I have seen a lot of minor league hockey in a lot of leagues in a lot of towns. And maybe, like you said, I'm sure there's there's a little bit of bias there. But I would say legitimately he is the best enforcer I have ever seen. Oh, you'd even you'd go that far and say that? I, I would because there there's that that level of unpredictability. Right. Like when he's on the ice, you never know if someone's going to get a deliberate stick in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not, they're going to, you know, poke behind the knee when they're going into the boards. You never get to know, you know, Patrick, the gets get slashed. Well, the guy who slashed him is going to get two handed. Right. Yeah. You're going to get, you're going to get a whack back. Yeah. And he, I never remember him as being that, you know, there was, there was some good toe to toe bouts, but he was always like he he would he would do the dirty fights too. Like well, he, you're, he you're in my notes to, over to, here to get in there. What was that? I said you're in my notes over here. That was gonna be my next question. I was gonna say so when you talk about being an enforcer, being a fighter, how how would you put Toporowski as an actual in terms of fighting? So I I don't remember this is me being as honest as I can possibly be. I don't remember him getting like flat out beaten once. That's not to say, you know, you know, Bruce Ramsey may edge just just going off names, you know, Bruce Ramsey, Kevin Holliday, Dean May well, not so much Dean Mayrand, Mark Major. You know, I'm sure that maybe one or two of these guys took an edge on him, but I don't remember him ever taking a beating from anybody. Yeah, no, I can only think of one clip and I think it was when he was with Chicago. And who is it that he fought? And somebody kind of kind of started pumping him, and then it ended up like being pack fighting. And then Kerry Toprowski, of course, went in and got it done. After I think it might have been like Kerry Clark. It might have. I, I you know what? I actually think I watched that video. It was home, yeah, it was when I got home from work today. When he was in Chicago, I think. Yep, he he was with the Wolves at the time. Yes, and that's the only fight I could ever really see Topper losing. Um, and. Uh, well, the the problem is footage is so limited too. Speaking of that, right. if any anybody out there, if you have Toporowski footage, um, either send it my way, Jay's way, or Darren's way, please. We would love to have that. I will give you. I will be willing to sign over Alex's firstborn child to you. I'll I'll second Toporowski that. Footage. I, I will second that. <laughs> um, yeah, and, it's, and it kills me because there was there's there was so much footage out there. 
you know, every team recorded their games, but nobody ever thought to keep it. Yeah, I meant to add, have you ever gone to like the news stations? I was going to do that. Oh, we got a little scrap going on I, in Kansas City over here. Um, I but- have, and I actually, through marriage, I'm related to somebody who was a videographer for one of the news stations back then. And he said they digitized a lot of it, but a lot of it they never bothered to digitize. Oh, so that's he terrible. said, you know, we we have we have some tapes. A lot of it's they have tapes, and they're not even marked tapes. So you don't even know if it's going to be a news event from or a news broadcast from a Mallards game, or a news broadcast from you know, oh let's let's take some B roll of a barge going down the river. <laughs> right, or like your local river bandits game. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I've contacted everybody I can think of who was involved with the Mallards back then. Hey, do you have any tapes? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for shipping. I'll pay for the tapes. I'll you know, I'll drive to Missouri and pick them up if you want to get rid of them. But I, it's it kills me that there's so much history that's just gone. I've talked to Darren about that several times. Just or even the the technology wasn't there to be able to you know bring in a handheld device to record it. And now it is. Now they don't fight. It's great. It's yeah. the, it's it's awesome. I love it. Um, <laughs> like his even his junior stuff. Fuck, he five hundred five penalty minutes, and there's barely anything out there from him and junior. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Well, that's back when I mean when Darren you know Darren was a young adult back when they had to etch the scores onto a stone tablet. Well, I heard he was one of the scorekeepers for it. Well, yeah, the. You know, they had to, any any pictures from the game were actually oil paintings done at the game. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, Darren was the one keeping the box scores on this chisel and hammer. Yeah, you know, we we both know how accurate he is. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Count to twenty one <laughs> if he takes his pants off. <laughs> oh, love you, buddy. Fucking bastard out there in Saskatchewan. <laughs> um, well, you know, you know, so. Topper kind of has a legacy there. Obviously, like I've said, polarizing figure on Quad City, but he was actually the very first Mallard to have his jersey retired. Um, what was that like going there? And, you know, what was what was the atmosphere like that night? It was it was pretty incredible because at the time, you know, when, when Toporowski was here, the Mallards would regularly draw seven, eight, nine thousand 9,000 fans a game. And by the time he got his number retired, it tapered off a little bit. You know, they were getting three, four, five thousand fans a game. But when it was announced that his jersey was going to retire, there was, you know, there was eight thousand fans in the building. And I still have a bunch of them. They gave away DVDs, uh, you know, a tribute to Kerry Toporowski, um, with black jersey with the seventy-seven on it. I still have some somewhere. Did I did I give you one of those? Mm, I don't think so. You're slacking. Well, I guess I'll send out to send one down to you. I'd, I'd send one down to you and one up to uh, up to Canada if they have DVD players up there. Well, I say, my, as, my, um, as my dealer, you're slacking now. Now I feel you're holding out on me. Well, it's, there's so much trash to go through. <laughs> I, I say trash lovingly. There's so much old stuff to go through. Right. But it was the building was the building was electric, and he was actually uh, an assistant coach at the time. Oh, really? So. Yep, he was he was an assistant coach at the time, and you know they showed the tribute video. They raised the banner. It was really cool. You know, he seeing him and his family out there on the ice. And I remember there was a goalie. Excuse me, um, the Mallards goalie at the time was uh, Rob Gerson, and the Mallards won the game. And I thought it was the, one of the cool. It was the Mallards' tenth anniversary year when they retired his jersey. Um, 
Gerson went out there and grabbed the puck and gave it to Toporowski as they were coming off the ice. It was a tribute to him on the on the night they retired his jersey. I always thought that was a pretty pretty cool little thing for a rookie goalie to do. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't show you what Toporowski meant to Quad City, then I don't know what does. Um, so, you know, we'll wrap it up here, and I appreciate you taking the time. But, you know, I, I think I know the answer because I remember you – I think I remember you telling me when we first met – God, did we really meet four years ago up in Iowa? That's fucking crazy to me. We're Jeez, old. That has really been that long? It, ha- it has to have been because I only go to I only go up to Iowa every other every other Christmas, and I was just there last year. So, like, now i got to go down to Florida. But, yeah, so that would have had to have been – Two years ago, well, that's prior right, to that, because yeah, because you and your family went to the storm game. Yes, yes, some asshole hooked oh us up God, with tickets. It's been four years, <laughs> it has been, dude. That's insane. That is insane. I had <laughs> way less gray hair then. Yeah, dating ourselves. No kidding. Um, but oh, man, now I lost track. Now I'm just now I'm just worried about how fucking old I am. Um, oh, <laughs> what I was gonna say was I think I remember you saying it when back then. Uh, but if you had to pick a favorite Carrie Toporowski fight, what would it be? You know, there's 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 a lot of them. Um, any incident with Robin Bouchard, any incident with Jim Duhart. Uh, he had a monster fight with Meat Grinder, Marty Metalchuk. Um, whenever he went with Mark Varhog, there were great fights. But the one that I always remember, and it wasn't wasn't one of the flashiest fights, um, but it was a perfect example of a. It's a microcosm of who he was as a player, and b. As like an enforcer overall. Uh, there was a player for Asheville, the smoke named Chad Wagner, who was <laughs> running around all game. And then Wagner was a big dude. Yeah. Like, I, Topper gave up, you know, three, four inches on him. You know, I'm sure 10, 15 pounds on him. Um, but Wagner was, you know, the prototypical guy who would get, you know, two, three shifts a period, go out there, run around. Um, and Topper went out there, just no buildup, went out there, and he put the beats to Wagner dropped him behind the net, you know, just was jacked up going off the ice. And that's, that's the one moment I can remember most of his, like his enforcing career was that. Oh, I see. But I had a different fight in my mind. Well, what was one you were thinking of? I was thinking of the one, cause this just speaks of, you know, talk about bleeding for your team and, you know, throwing down by all means was when he had the brace on his one hand Oh, and he had so, to keep the glove on. So that was actually, I don't think it was the last fight of his career, but it was one of the last fights of his career because um, he had to retire. Uh, I believe he had blood clot issues and was taking like blood thinners for him and had to retire because of that. So near, near the end of the year, Kalamazoo was in town and they had a tough guy named Charlie Alizi who was, he was, he was an entertaining fighter, but he and Topper dropped the gloves, and but Topper had problems with his wrist at the time too, and he had a full wrist brace on. And if he would have dropped his glove, he'd been league rules. He'd been fighting with a weapon, right? So yeah, he had to keep keep one glove on, and that was yeah. That's that's a perfect example. You know, literally bleeding for your team, putting your health at risk just to prove a point, just to support the team, go out there and uh, and pump the boys up. Absolutely, and I'm. I, I thank you for sending me that picture because you actually have a picture of like him squaring yep. off, and he's got he's got one glove on, and you can see his other hand. He's got the glove off. So uh, I that's mean, one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken. That I mean, yeah, you're not going to find that anywhere else. And I'm. I think I should be right behind me. I want to say I have it in my. Do I have it up there? 
Maybe not. Maybe I don't have it in the closet. I got to get more frames. That's the thing. Now we got this house. I got to furnish it. But yeah, I have that photo still. Um, so I, th- I thank you for sending me that because that thing's awesome. I mean, I mean, you're not going to get that anywhere else. You're the only one in the world that probably has that. Yep. There's. I, I can't imagine. I know I sent. I sent you a copy. Sent Darren a copy. You know, anybody wants a copy, feel free to get a hold of me. Um, but absolutely, yeah, that's actually on the wall in the basement because I have a little. Oh, actually, a Toporowski wall where I got three shots of him. Uh, but the 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 last memory I can that I'll that I'll bring up it was the it was Toporowski's first year here. Um, the Mallards had won the Colonial Cup the year previous against Flint, and they were in the finals against Flint. The Toporowski's first season it was Game Seven in overtime of the finals, and Toporowski dumped the puck in from center ice. The what was his name? Andre Mezen was the Flint goalie. Went out to play the puck behind the net. The puck kicked off the boards to the center of the ice, and a guy named Ryan Black put it in to win the cup in overtime of Game Seven. And I'll always remember Toporowski getting the assist. On I was that about goal. to say, so Topper got the apple on that, right? Yep. Tremendous, tremendous. You gotta love it. And that was back even Ward number seven that year. Oh, that's like yeah, that's you know. That's a rare one too, because he was always seventy-seven. Yeah, first time here, wore first his first season wore seven. And then he, when he came back, wore seventy-seven. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, man, dating ourselves here. <laughs> I don't like that. If I had wanted to talk about how old I am and think about how imminent death, Dude, is. I feel old because when I was going through all my stuff, and I remember because oh, actually I took a picture and you're like, you yeah, and your your lack of mallard stuff is appalling. I have so many mini sticks I forgot I had. That I could like, like this whole wall could be covered with just mini sticks from Mallard. Like I have at least seven or eight just all wrapped up, and that's not including other ones I have too, like the lightning and stuff. But yeah, oh yeah, just I, so like, now, now I'm gonna find some old, old, old school mini sticks and sit them down here so they can get some display time because they're stuffed in a box somewhere around here. Oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, I I meant to ask you too. Uh, so the, didn't Quad City make a um, a, a t-shirt for Toporowski that was like Topper soup. And it said like no soup for you or something like that. I don't, I saw that on eBay one time and it was, it made me laugh. I vaguely remember that. And I don't re- cause there was, there was some promotion for that. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember them giving out the t-shirt. And I want to say that was, there was a reason why I didn't go to two or three games one season, even though I was a season ticket holder. And I do not remember. I think that would have been the season where I couldn't make the games. I don't know if it was a giveaway or what, but I, I definitely know it was, it was like a, I forget what it was, but it was like Kerry Toporowski and it had him with the black eye smiling, uh, like in a, like a character version. And he had his like pot of soup or whatever. And it said, yeah, no soup for you. Cause it was, I think it was after they won. It might've been when they won 2000, 2001. I think it was after they won the cup because it had everybody X'd out. And that was what the no soup for you was, was all the other teams that didn't win the cup, but quad city did. And I know now I'm going to have to ask around and see if anybody has one of those around here. You have to, I only ever saw one come up on eBay and I'm mad at myself. I didn't buy it. And I think it was just because I was too fat to fit in it, but I should have just bought it anyway. (laughs) If, if, If I find somebody who has one, I'm doing a high risk scan of it. I'm printing some more off. Oh, dude, you have to. Yeah, these things were sick. And I know they did a pennant back in the day, too. Of a, it was just a Kerry Toporowski, you know, pennant flag, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they did, you know, bobblehead, pennant. 
I love the celebrity duck, and I thought there was. I'm going downstairs now because I thought there was one more. <laughs> was he included in the giveaway that I had? Was he included in the Beanie Baby series? He was. What? I don't remember what that was. I can't remember. Those are in storage. Like those are like all my Beanie Babies of that Mallard series that they did. Those are all in like a storage unit in Florida somewhere. <laughs> I got to get that shit from my parents. I know there was. I know Carla Blanc was the lion, and that's the only one I remember. And there was Gary Gulligator. Gary Gulligator. Sergey Zhivagin was the eagle, if I remember right. Okay, yeah, there they gave away like little wooden, wooden cutouts of him fighting. I'm guessing ten from the generals other than Chad Grills. It's amazing that you can remember this, but I bet you don't remember what you had for breakfast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't eat breakfast. I yeah, have time exactly. for that. <laughs> it's funny what sticks in our memory because I'm the same way. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember this fight, this fight. And my wife's like, you know, oh, so you, you know, do you remember what I told you the other day? I'm like, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, no, because I'm thinking about a fight Kerry Toporowski was in in 1997. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jay, I appreciate you taking the time to come on, man. It's always a pleasure having you. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Alec. I appreciate it. All right, and last but not least here for the Toporowski special, we have a guy. I had him on the podcast way back in the twilight years. I think you were maybe like my fifth or sixth guest I ever had on the podcast. Um, you know, and sorry for folks who listen to that because I'm sure I sound terrible, but I know Mark probably sounded great. But uh, one Mr. Mark McFarland. Mark, how you doing today, man? I'm doing very well, Alex, out here on the East Coast. A little bit of rain, but, uh, you know, the sun will shine this afternoon. Yeah, you might be getting some of them storms that just passed through here. We had a bunch of rain the past couple of days, man. It's been nasty out. And like I said uh, before we got going here, it was like 70 degrees yesterday w- with rain and everything. Today it's supposed to be 30 degrees. So got to love the the fall season over here in North Kakalaki. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the, the storm there that came up. We got the remnants of that. I think uh, I was sleeping, but I mean, I think it poured like last night. I woke up once and it was just pouring. It was like... I think we got a one one and a half inches of rain overnight, so hopefully that clears up because I got a nice little couple hour drive down to Foxborough today. Like I said, my daughter's got a couple games, so yeah. Well, right on, man. Um, well, I guess we'll dive right into it. So, when you first got to Quad City, um, you know, I believe Topper was already there, correct? No, I no, he came my second. Oh, year second there. year, yeah. I, I okay, think, looking at it, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah I think it was my second year. Um, you know, it might even have been my third year, but uh, because we had John Anderson there for the first couple of years, and I, I'm not sure if he played for John. You know, time 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 slips away from you, but uh, I know uh, Matt Shaw definitely um, was uh, took over for John when he went up to the uh, I, and uh, I think that was the year, first year that Topper came. Yeah, so I'm looking now. I believe it, yeah, it was your second year. It was the '97 season he came up there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, he's such a polarizing figure. And as I talked about with my buddy before, you know, he set the penalty record for um, the Western Hockey League and a record that's still going to stand for the test of time. It's never going to go anywhere. Um, did you did you hear about like any like any rumblings about what this guy might bring to the team um, or like anything? Because, of course, this is the age before the Internet and you didn't have, you know, YouTube to go look at Toporowski fights. Well, hell, we still don't really. There's not really many Topper fights out there. Um, but, you know, you didn't have like the resource, like, you know, the Internet and um, being able to like scour box scores until maybe like the, the day of the game came where you could see rosters and stuff. But, you know, did you have any idea of like, kind of like the reputation Toporowski had when he came to Quad City? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I played in the Western Hockey League against Topper actually back in like, right. uh, the late the late eighties, and uh, 
I remember, uh, uh, and he was in the West Western uh, Conference. I was in Swift Current. He was in Spokane at the time, and and uh, obviously, you know, a guy in my trade, and and uh, so you know who the guys are coming in, and I knew who he was. I mean, like <laughs> he was a big man then, and and uh, kind of a notorious figure even at that time. You know, at uh, you know, 18 years old. And uh, so I, I remember playing against him, actually. Like, uh, I fought this guy, Marco Fuster, tough, tough little guy uh, that was on the Spokane team there. And and uh, I actually had a couple run-ins with him, I remember, because we only played them, like, once at our barn and once out there. And uh, I don't know if you spent it when we were out there, but I, I specifically remember playing him in our barn there. And I remember looking at him, and, and just he just started laughing. And I'm looking at him going, like, what the fuck are you, what are you laughing at? You know what I mean? And, and uh, he just kept laughing. He just made me leave, and I laughed. He just made me laugh. I don't know. He's just, just a, a big, lumbering uh, guy. So when he did come to us, uh, yeah, obviously I knew who he was. And, and uh, when Howard brought him in, uh, you know, I mean, we were, you know, the word got around. I think it was morning practice. Yeah, Paparowski's coming, you know. And the boys are like, and they just walked in, and and you know he's just just a quiet guy, very unassuming, big man, and uh, but you just know know what his reputation was at that time, and uh, we were just happy to you know to have him on our team and not have to play against him. Oh yeah, no kidding. Um, well, yeah, you got <laughs> playing junior against him. That must have been fun. Um, I believe there's a video still out there, and it's like uh, it's like a small little segment on Kerry Toporowski and one of the guys who was playing against him, and then ended up going on to the um, Spokane Chiefs. You know, ended up they ended up bringing him on, but he was like, "Yeah, I played Toporowski. I played, so basically like I fucking hated him, <laughs> but he loved to have him on your team." Um, you know, so he he gets to Quad City. Did did you see? And I, I mean, maybe I'll just ask you this for yourself as well, because you know, at Quad City. It's a very blue collar kind of city. You got like the, the John Deere stuff going on up there. For those that don't know, uh, literally the John Deere Museum is on like the same road as where what, what I forget the Mark. I call it the Mark still. I don't even know what the hell the yeah. the arena's name is anymore. But a very blue collar town. Did you see the fans start to take to a guy like yourself and Toporowski really quick because they like that tough physical hockey? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, they, na- you know, they navigated towards, uh, the guys, the blue collar guys, because like I said, they understood, uh, you know, <laughs> what it was like to pack a lunch every day and go out and earn everything you got. Right. And, uh, you know, like Topper was no exception. I mean, he earned everything he got. I mean, not the most talented guy, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, skill wise, but, uh, you know, he, he was just quietly got the job done. And uh, I think the people of Quad Cities, uh, you know, can re- really relate to that. And, and uh, thus, uh, you know, always took the tough guys under their wing there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I, I've always said, and my buddy has said it to Darren out in the fourth line voice, you know, there's a difference between being a good enforcer and a good fighter, you know, or vice versa. There's a difference between being a good fighter or a good enforcer. Um, it almost seems like Kerry Toporowski was kind of the best of both worlds there, where he was not only a really good enforcer, so he'd, he'd set the tone and get his point across if he really needed to, but he seemed like he was also a great fighter. Um, you know, could you? what would you say about Topper's fighting ability? Well, you wouldn't want to get hit by him. He loaded up that, you know, he loaded up that big left hand, and uh, and he could hold guys. He was so strong, he could hold guys out, uh, you know, and kind of just hold them there and just kind of laugh at them. Like I mean, I never seen a man like smile, you know, so much in a fight. Uh, but uh, just his presence out there. I mean, uh, you know, when he was on the ice, and and uh, the other opposing team came on the ice, they, they obviously knew he was out there. Uh, I mean, the guy took up so much space, uh, you know, 
he was such a big guy and big long long guy. Um, but I mean, yeah, he he he'd hold you out and then he'd tag you. You know what I mean? And and uh, uh, just real strong and and uh, you know and, and and he was an opportunistic fighter. Like he took his he took his shots. You know, I don't remember really seeing him going like you know what I mean. So you see some of them guys like the, the smaller guys like. Uh, you know, that Marathon and Center and all those guys, and you see them just going bang, 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 like taking shots. And, you know, Topper would, would be opportunistic with his uh, with his opportunities, obviously. And, and uh, you know, he would tag you, and he'd tag you hard. And, and then when he felt that you were hurt, then he would come on to you, you know. And uh, that's kind of the way I, I saw it. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you say, you get that left hand going, and once he got loose, you know, you look out because you've seen there's very limited footage. But if you look at some Kerry Toporowski fights on YouTube, it's always almost kind of reminds you of like the Dave Brown. It's always going to be a left hand coming from him. Um, so, well, <laughs> you know, I got to ask this, and if folks have seen the video of it was uh, when the Spokane Chiefs played Shaku to me in the in the Memorial Cup. Um, if you ever see that video and Kerry Toporowski gets a guy down and initially Topper wasn't even a part of it. Uh, and the guy ended up challenging him cause it was a mini brawl going on in the corner and some guy came up and challenged Topper. That's when Topper dropped the gloves and he actually starting to throw bows at him while he's on the ground. But you can see him before they go to the ice, he literally grabs the guy's chain off his neck and hands it to somebody in the bench. Uh, I got to ask, cause I know Dean Mayrand, um, in an interview also said Topper had stolen his, I think he had a puka shell necklace at the time when he was with Muskegon. Did, did you ever get some of the, uh, the memorabilia from Topper fights there? Did he ever toss you a chain on the bench? <laughs> no, he's never tossed me the chain, but he's, uh, he's tossed it to the trainer or, or the equipment <laughs> guy or whatever. But I, I simply remember, remember him stealing Mayrand's chain, uh, uh, in that game in Muskegon. And, uh, you know, he he would do things, man, that, you know, you just kind of shake your head. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, you know, the, the average man, like, and he's got a big brain. He's a smart guy. Uh, you know, again, and he was an opportunistic guy, so he probably looked and saw the chain. And he said, well, I think I'll take that for myself. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel yeah, like it's got to uh, be a big mental thing. You know, you're sitting there, you're getting in a fight, and maybe you're losing. Not only are you losing now, now you got no chain, and you're, you just got <laughs> robbed on the ice mid-fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he and, and he would smile about it after because he knew he, you know, he knew he had you reeling, right? Like, so, you know, uh, just the way his mind works. I know the way that I, I used to sit beside him in the locker room for a couple of years, and, and, uh, I knew he was always up to something. He had that little grin on his face and that little look, <laughs> that little mischievous look he has. And, and uh, you know, I knew he'd be up to something. I'm like, what are you up to now, Topper? What's going on? And he just sat there and smiled at me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, he said, like I said, he said, from what I've, I've, I've heard of him, I've never got, unfortunately, I've never met him. But he's a very quiet guy. So it's almost like it's it's one of those things where I think it's like almost the epitome of being an enforcer, a fighter in hockey. You could be quiet and whatever. You're not going to bark. But as soon as you step on the ice and you make that switch, you know, Topper just becomes larger than life out there. And, um you know, you see him all animated after the fights and smiling like that. Um, I got to ask as well, and I think it was you who actually the, was the very first person that told me about it um, when we did our interview, you know, years ago. Um, and, you know, it may or may not have happened, but there there might have been some sort of maybe Icy Hot or Bengay that Topper would put on his gloves, maybe? Well, I mean... <laughs> I was I was a first hand witness. I mean, if it was in the court, I'd be the I'd be I'd be the number one witness because I was sitting right beside him. But uh, 
Yeah, there, I guess there's something that uh, I was said to him by uh, a kid, uh, Robin Bouchard, uh, real good hockey player. I think he still has a lot of goal scoring records. He played in Muskegon forever. Uh, they they beat us a couple times, or at least once, I think, and for the Colonial Cup. But uh, anyway, so he was saying something to Topper, and, and Topper had had enough. And and anyways, I, I'm, we're just sitting there in between periods and in, in our stalls, and I look over, and he's got the a five three five or whatever the hell it was, uh, flexol or flexol, and uh, you know he's just kind of putting it on his, the, you know, the fingers of his gloves, and I'm like, so what are you doing? And he, he didn't even say, he said, don't worry, Mac Daddy, you know, and he just had that little look, that little grin, that little grin on his face, and uh, sure enough, man, we go out and and uh, and again, I mean. Uh, I think he he he'd corroborate that, but uh, you know, into the shift uh, or into the into the next period, uh, you know, little glove wash there, and the kids squirming on the ice, and nobody knows what's going on, right? And uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I knew I I, I, I just uh, you know the way the guy the, the way the guy's mind worked, man. Like like I said, he was so uh, mischievous and and uh, you know do anything for anybody, man. But. Uh, you know, when Topper was quiet, you know, something was going through his mind and he didn't know what it was, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to love it. Um, well, <laughs> I want to, and I want to, you know, make this clear for people that might, because people hear this, and if you're, a, if, if you've been a fan of hockey for like, you know, two years and you hear this, uh, you're going to be like, what the actual fuck, you know? Uh, this was a different time, and this was a, a time in hockey where, I mean, minor pro hockey was at its peak back then. Um, in far in terms of toughness and everything, so these guys were literally fighting for jobs. So you had to do things like that. And I had Kevin Kaminsky on before, where he talked about cutting the grooves in his helmet to to mess his opponent's knuckles up if they punch his helmet. So this was a time where, um, you know, these, t- these oh, t- I said tips and tricks, but you know, these uh these little roles and and you know tricks that these guys had it was all for a job so you know i don't want people to think that like oh my god this guy's crazy like i promise you toporowski was not the only one doing stuff like this no there's there's many stories i mean it, this guy's taking a like you said file of the helmet or or they would uh, uh do it at the bottom of their uh shield like the uh, half yep. shield you know and sharpen the bottom of the half shield i mean you know uh, there was all kinds of stuff that guys did. I mean, even like the—I don't know if you remember the rip away, uh, the rip away sleeves. Oh like yeah, Velcro sleeves, right? Like, and guy would grab onto them, all of a sudden his arm would come out and he'd tag them, right? <laughs> and then they—they they outlawed those. I remember uh, they had them in the Western Hockey League. Uh, this guy Greg Spenrath, uh played in Tri City, big tough guy. I think he played in the NHL too. But uh, he had them. He had like, uh, you know, I fought him once out there, and and. Uh, I remember like pulling on a sleeve and all of a sudden it came, you know what I mean? The bottom of the right. jersey came off. <laughs> so, I mean, there was all kinds of thinking going on and, and ways to get, uh, you know, to get a leg up on your opponent or like you said, man, like uh, you never wanted to get embarrassed and certainly didn't want to lose your job because back then, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you're at that level of hockey, where are you going to go? Right. And uh, you go back home and you work in the plant or something. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I said, you know, if if somebody has been a fan of hockey for just a couple of years and they heard this, they you know they're gonna be like, "What the hell did I just listen to?" <laughs> but you know, it's such a different game back then. Um, you know, you brought it up a little bit earlier, uh, but from what I've heard, and I remember from what I can remember seeing, because of course I went to a few Mallard games back in the day, but I was still pretty young. But um, not only could Toprowski fight and enforce, but he was actually a pretty damn good hockey player too. He was, I, I think when we look back at it with uh, Jay, my previous guest, I think he only had two seasons where he was, his 
plus minus was a minus. But for the most part, he was always a positive playing um, player. Uh, you know, can you attest to how, how actually like you know good of a hockey player he was? Well, well, he was, uh, you know, I mean, not so much on the offensive side. He chipped in with a goal or two here and right. there, and then he'd take, you know, he'd take his big lumbering rush up the ice with the puck, and the crowd would go crazy, and he'd go down, and he was so big, he'd just keep going, keep going, and he'd throw the dots, and, you know, you'd see him down there. But where he was most effective for us was in our own end, and uh, like I said, he was so big, so rangy. I mean, he was blocking shots before they were calling him block shots. Like, he had uh, – you know, his shin pads were probably about uh, three feet long, you know, and and, uh, and about two feet wide, right? And uh, so he blocked a lot of shots. He was real great on uh, on the penalty kill for us. Uh, and, you know, having the teams we had then, at the, when he wasn't in the box, he was killing penalties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, it was funny because Jay said the same thing when he'd, uh, you know, come around the net and start, you know, rumbling up the ice. He might not have been the fastest, but, damn, the whole crowd was on their feet waiting for Topper to do something because they were just loving it. Um <laughs> And, well, you know, you might know the answer to this, but I've always found it funny, and I always found, like, this tape job funny, but Topper did the candy cane tape job on the twig. Uh, do you know why he did that by any chance, or, you know, is that just a, is a kept Topper secret? Uh, I don't even really – now that you say that, I do remember him having a funky uh, funky tape job, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was just, uh, you know, Topper <laughs> – Anything he did, like, you, you you know, there was no rhyme or reason to the average man, but he did it for his own self, and he, he always had a message to his madness, and, and uh, he probably thought, you know what I mean, it would distract the other team or something. I, I mean, I, I can't uh, I can't really answer the that. But yeah. you, never, you never knew what he was going to do and what he was going to, you know, when he was going to do it. it. It was just, uh, okay, all right, Topper, what are you doing now? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, well, Topper's putting only one stripe of tape on his twig. Okay, well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna question it, so, you know, here we go. We'll just we'll go out there yeah. and make it happen. Um, yeah. So, well, Kerry Toporowski was actually the very first Mallard to have his jersey retired. Were you there for the ceremony? Uh, no, I wasn't there for that one. Yeah, no, I, I didn't make it back for that. Uh, but I mean, if there's a guy that, uh, that deserved it, it was him. I mean, he put people in the stands. Uh, he stuck up for his teammates. Uh, you know what I mean? And the guy wanted to win and, and, uh, you know, everything he did was, was towards winning towards being the best. I mean, even, you know, in this business, uh, you know, the guy's the, one of the best in the country, right. And, and, uh, what he does and, and, uh, you know, so. Uh, for him to have his jersey up there, I mean, like I said, he's, he's one of the all-time favorites, if not the, the uh, all-time favorite. I mean, uh, we just went back for a reunion here last year, man, and uh, you know when he came out of that uh, that duck head there when we had the alumni game, you know, you you could hear the, uh, you know, on his nice little slow skate out of there, it was like it was it was awesome. Yeah, for sure. I was mad I missed it. It was there when me and my wife were uh, we were in the process of moving, and I, I just couldn't make it up there, but I was really trying to see. Because I know you, Howie, Top, or whether I think Nadeau was up there. It was a good – looked like a great time. I mean, we had a packed house. Uh, the whole the whole mark was sold out for that alumni game. Uh, who was it, yeah, was it versus – it was versus I mean, Flint, wasn't it? Was the was that who yeah, the yeah, opponent was? The old, that's right. uh, yeah, the old Flint Generals, man. Uh, Duhard, all the whole crew was there. We all, we all stayed in the same hotel, actually, and – <laughs> hung out with them for the whole weekend. It was uh, it was it was a great a great weekend there for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, man, I got one more question for you. I appreciate you taking the time to come out here and uh, on this beautiful Saturday morning. So, you know, you played with Topper for uh, quite a few years up there in Quad City. Do you have an absolute favorite uh, Kerry Toporowski memory? Uh, well, 
I mean, that, it kind of put me on the spot uh, to come <laughs> up with one. But I mean, <laughs> uh, there, there's many. But I mean, like for me, um, Topper was an you know an A one guy. Uh, he always had our back. I mean, we'd always set, uh, set you know, uh, before the games and, and go over who, who our opponents were and, uh, you know, and, and share notes and stuff like that. But, uh, you know what I remember most about Topper, though? He, he, he was such a great family man. And you talk about Luke and, and uh, you know, his success now in the American Hockey League with the Bruins uh, uh, organization. Uh, he always had his kids there. He always had his kids at the rink. I mean, I remember Luke running around causing mischief. I mean, Jake was there. Uh, Alexis was there. I mean, he'd come to the rink with, like, you know, three kids uh, in tow. And, uh, you know, so I, my my favorite memory of him is how, how big of a family guy, uh, you know, God rest his soul, is, is uh, his dad, Don, uh, and his mom, uh, Lynn, you know, would make frequent trips to Quad City and, and uh, you know, uh, Topper would get real excited about that and always look forward to, to seeing his family. So uh, aside from the, you know what I mean, the, the, the stories and, and the bad, uh, uh, I wouldn't call it a bad rap, but, uh, you know, his reputation, uh, I don't, a lot of people don't know how smart the guy is and uh, how much of a family man and how much he cared, uh, you know, for not just his family, but his teammates and, and uh, in and the fans, I mean, he's got relationships that he built, uh, you know, while he was still playing, uh, you know, business relationships, friendships. He's, he's coached uh, uh, many, many kids in the Quad Cities, and uh, you know, he, he he could probably run for mayor and uh, and win uh, in uh, in Bettendorf there. So, so yeah, so that's uh, you know, that's what I remember about Topper. He's a real good friend of mine, and uh, was always there and had my back, and uh, and that of his teammates as well. Absolutely. I think that's a great testament to the kind of character that Gary Toporowski was um, and the kind of kind of teammate he was for you. So, uh, well, Mark, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, uh, you know, contribute to the Gary Toporowski special. I've, I've had a lot of fun doing it so far, and I think it's a great way to end the segment here. Perfect, Alec. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You have yourself a good one, man. You All right. Fight. Thanks, Alec. Bye.